a world of trying to understand sugar in the in the context of health, it is just energy essentially. It's a it's simple carbohydrate. It is basically glucose and fructose, and it can be utilized quite easily by your cells. And it's essentially a form of energy. It can be come from a plant, so it's vegan, um, and it can come from beets. It can come from cane sugar. Um, you can get it from coconut. I mean, you can make sugar a, a wide variety of ways. Um, but bottom line is it, it is just a form of energy that is easy to break down for your system to be utilized by your cells um, to fuel your body. <clears throat> it, it becomes a problem. Um, obviously, if there's an overconsumption, if you consume, you know, pounds and pounds and pounds and pounds of sugar, um, it could be problematic. Um, but it's normally problematic for reasons other than what people think. So if I put you on a 100% sugar diet, 100%, um, the, the, the biggest problem you would have is it's probably going to create some nutritional deficiencies in you because 100% sugar diet is highly metabolic. Your cells will actually like that energy source. Um, and when the cells are using lots of energy, they also need lots of nutrition. So those two things need to go together, kind of like gas and oil for your car. Um, if you use a lot of gas, you're also going to burn oil. Um, so you, if you're going to burn a lot of sugar, you're going to burn a lot of energy, you also need nutrition. So a 100% sugar diet without nutrition is going to start showing up as a lot of nutritional deficiencies. Welcome to the Weight Loss for Women podcast a place where we share everything you need to know about restoring your metabolism so you can eat more, train less, and lose weight in a healthy and sustainable way. I'm Kitty Bloomfield, co-founder of New Strength and Saturay, creator of pro-metabolic food supplements and skincare. We're so close to launching now. So today I have our good friend, Kate Deering, on the podcast again. We just love Kate. She's also the author of How to Heal Your Metabolism, which is a book that we recommend to all our clients. So if you haven't read that book, I highly recommend you do. You can purchase it from our store. I'll pop a link uh, in the show notes, but you can also actually listen to it on audiobooks, which is great. And I believe that she now has it out in French. So if you're French and you want to read it in French, you, you now can. So today we just wanted to get on and talk more about sugar and defend sugar. So if you're new here, you probably were like I once was, and I was like the sugar antichrist. I mean, I wouldn't even eat fruit. So the only fruit I would eat were blueberries because they were low in carbs and low in sugar. I wouldn't drink dairy. I made my own almond milk. You know, I just, God, for probably about 17 years of my life, I completely cut beautiful, amazing fruit out of my diet. Orange juice, wouldn't have touched orange juice with a 10-foot pole. But the funny thing was is, well, it's not funny, but I would restrict, you know, um, all week and maybe I would last two, three, four, five weeks, but then I'd just fall off the wagon because I was craving sugar so much and I would end up eating, you know, tubs of ice cream and blocks of chocolate. So, you know, my body was just screaming out for sugar, basically, because I was cutting it and I would reach for the, you know, crappy, crappy, crappy foods that had not only had sugar, but also were full of, you know, vegetable oils and preservatives and additives and glucose syrup. So we just wanted to get on, I guess, and clear up some of the misconceptions around sugar. So some of the things that we cover, the most common misconceptions about sugar, what sugar actually is, 
when it becomes a problem, nutrient-dense forms of sugar, the sugar in the cancer belief, the truth about fructose, why context matters, diabetes, sugar, and stress, why removing nutrient-dense sugars comes with a cost, does sugar actually deplete the body of nutrients, and how to reintroduce sugar back into your diet if, say, like I was and you know, hadn't eaten it consistently for a, for a long period of time. So, you know, I hope you hope you love this episode. Um, and, you know, I hope that you start to reintroduce, if you've been cutting them out, beautiful fresh fruit back into your diet, maybe some orange juice, you know, getting back on the dairy because life is just so much better with those things in your diet. And, you know, you'll probably find like me that your binge eating disappears. So as always, guys, um, please give this episode a review. So if you've reviewed us before, you can leave as many reviews and ratings as you like. So give this episode um, a review and a rating. And for extra points and the and the opportunity to win a tub of collagen, just take a screenshot and uh, share it on Instagram stories and tag me at K-I-T-T-Y-B-L-O-M-F-I-E-L-D. And then each month I pick a winner and that person, as I said, wins a tub of saturated premium collagen. So let's get into it. Hi, Kate. Welcome back to the podcast. Kate doesn't need any. Hey, Kitty. She's been on the podcast a million times and uh, she's got an awesome book, How to Heal Your Metabolism. So we always, we recommend to all our clients and people buy it. It's a really easy, I think, understanding easy to understand resource, um, you know, that sort of talks about the whole pro-metabolic eating, improving your metabolism and, and health. And I think one of the key concepts that, that Kate talks about in the book is around sugar because people just think that sugar is poison and it causes cancer and that you, you know, you, it's, it's unhealthy. And I used to think the same thing. I mean, I wouldn't even eat fruit. I wouldn't drink dairy. I only ate blueberries because they were low sugar. I never would have drunk juice ever in a million years because I was just brainwashed into thinking that sugar was bad for me and that it would give me cancer. And <laughs> I'm fucking stupid. <laughs> but I didn't understand why. Like if someone said to me, well, how Kitty does it? I would go, I don't know. Yeah, well, I think that's probably the answer most people would give you, right? It creates inflammation, it feeds cancer, it's going to give you diabetes. Mm-hmm. Um, and and maybe in some vortex of the world, those things can be true if you put them into the right, I guess, situations, but with no context around them, um, you're going to create a belief that isn't really true, certainly for your health. And so, so we I think just it's important. To... To... Oh, sorry, you go. Yeah. I think it's just important. (laughs) What? (laughs) What's happening? Sorry, you finish. I thought you were finished. Sorry, keep going. (laughs) No, well, I could be at this point. Uh, Go ahead, continue. Well, I was just going to say, we really wanted to get on and do a show, a podcast episode just about sugar. And, you know, um, breaking down some of the, you know, misconceptions out there and why we believe sugar is good in certain, I mean, or, well, I shouldn't say, let's just backtrack. Let's first of all, Kate, what is sugar? Let's start it's, from the start. It's cocaine. No. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it, sugar in it's my... So like sugar, it's like better than cocaine. I'm like, you've obviously had some shit cocaine. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. That is true. Coming from um, people who've, you know, done a lot of drugs in their lives back in the day. You know, not recently. Plenty. Yeah, no, not right. recently. Now um, I only do sugar. Yeah. So, yes. 
So in, in, in a world of trying to understand sugar in the, in the context of health, it is just energy, essentially. It's a, it's simple carbohydrate. It is basically glucose and fructose, and it can be utilized quite easily by your cells. And it's essentially a form of energy it can be coming from a plant. So it's vegan. Um, and it can come from beets. It can come from cane sugar. Um, you can get it from coconut. I mean, you can make sugar a, a wide variety of ways. Um, but bottom line is it, it is just a form of energy that is easy to break down for your system to be utilized by your cells um, to fuel your body. <clears throat> it, it becomes a problem. Um, obviously, if there's an overconsumption, if you consume, you know, pounds and pounds and pounds and pounds of sugar, um, it could be problematic. Um, but it's normally problematic for reasons other than what people think. So if I put you on a 100% sugar diet, 100%, um, the, the, the biggest problem you would have is it's probably going to create some nutritional deficiencies in you because 100% sugar diet is highly metabolic. Your cells will actually like that energy source. Um, and when the cells are using lots of energy, they also need lots of nutrition. So those two things need to go together, kind of like gas and oil for your car. Um, if you use a lot of gas, you're also going to burn oil. Um, so you, if you're going to burn a lot of sugar, you're going to burn a lot of energy, you also need nutrition. So a 100% sugar diet without nutrition is going to start showing up as a lot of nutritional deficiencies. So that would be your biggest problem. Would it be weight gain? Um, essentially, uh, eventually it would be. Um, because your body's metabolic rate will increase. And then usually whatever you don't consume or don't utilize as energy will get stored as glycogen stores. And only after those glycogen stores will your body start converting it into fat. So most people gain weight when on a high sugar diet, usually if they're consuming it also with high fat or high calorie, high fat. And, and it's, that's when things become in excess and become more problematic to people when it comes to weight gain and sugar. It's not just the sugar, it's usually the combination. So if you're gonna eat high sugar, high fat and over consume calories, the calories in the form of the fat are easily gonna turn into fat versus just the sugar. I think too, like a lot of women, when they like, they'll come into our program and go, oh yeah, but Kitty, you know, I cut all the sugar out of my diet and I felt so much better. And I was like, well, what, what were you eating before? And they're like, oh, you know, I was eating a lot of cakes and pastries and, biscuits and you know things that also contain vegetable oils and flowers and preservatives and additives so they weren't eating sugar in nutrient-dense forms like juice and fruits and homemade ice cream like good quality dairy products so it's you know I think you know like and we've talked about this before it's not so much the sugar it's like what are you eating the sugar with or how how is it being delivered to the cells like is it with potassium and you know all these great nutrients um, or is it with pufas and flour and all these other chitty things? <laughs> yeah, I mean, there, there are different aspects of why something is bad for you. And I think that's really important to, to note is that how is that sugar source being delivered? And yes, if it's being delivered in the forms of cookies and cakes and things that are also high fat or flour or additives, then yeah, that entire product might not be good for you if you consume it all the time and in high dosages. Mm -hmm. But if it's, is it just the sugar in isolation? probably not. And so, you know, but we, but we tend to think that anything that is sweet is sugar. I removed all the sugar from my diet, right. Then I removed all the sweet things. 
Well, again, th then what does that look like? Did you just, you were on a really healthy diet and had a ton of fruit and then you removed the fruit and now you feel better. That's, I never hear that story ever. Okay. That's never what I hear. Yeah. It's yeah. I mean, I, you know, and yeah. And so sometimes when you just remove all those grains and, and the other things that are in that sugary food, sure. You're going to feel better. You're not over consuming. You're not, you're not creating some blood sugar issues. You're not creating a, a body that is trying to fend off both sugar and fat. And so again, reverting back to when we reference sugar, um, the ideal sources are always going to be those that come with nutrition. And because like I said before, a high sugar diet without nutrition is going to create nutritional deficiencies. So fruits and juice and milk and roots, all of those are going to be much better sources than just tons of white cane sugar without the nutrition. But again, it doesn't mean that that cane sugar doesn't have value. It does have value because it still can utilize as a good energy source. You just, again, have to account for the fact that for most people in a healing state or that are trying to find health, it's normally their body does need energy, but it also needs nutrients. And so because you don't want to consume copious amounts of excess energy just in the form of white sugar, it's always best to get those sugar sources with high nutrients. I think too, you know, like we find with women in our program when they come in and, you know, they've been dieting, these are the ones that are quite small and been dieting and their, you know, their maintenance calories are quite low. I always like to think of it like a budget, you know, you, you've got the things like, yeah, you need to pay your rent and you need to buy food. And, you know, so it's best to include, like you say, more nutrient dense foods as part of that calorie budget. And then as things improve, you know, like say example for me, you know, like yesterday I ate 2,700 calories because I was training. So I'm really active, heavy weights. So, you know, now I would consume more refined sugar because I have like, I don't know, like fun money you know, like I can have some more sugar in my coffee and I have ice cream at night that has white sugar. I mean, I still drink juice and eat fruit. That's the majority of the sugars. Um, but I think, yeah, when you first, that's where sometimes I see women go wrong too, is that they're like, all of a sudden, oh my God, I can eat all this delicious foods and sugars and they overconsume, um, And then they can stack yeah. up with the fat yeah. as well, I think. Yeah. And it's easy to overconsume foods that have high sugar and fat in them. They taste good. They're really satiating. Right. And especially if you have been avoiding those food considerable amount of time and all of a sudden someone's like, those are good for you. And you're like, Hey, yay. Now I'm going to eat them all the time. And so certainly what I would see is, you know, people that flip over and start consuming lots of fruits and stuff too. That's great. But then they also start consuming really highly palatable, you know, tons of ice cream, tons of whole milk, tons of other things that maybe right then their body's not essentially ready for. doesn't mean not, you know, maybe eventually, but you know, the process of adding sugar into your diet or adding foods with sweets, especially if you haven't been eating those, um, you know, it's a slow and steady process. Your body has probably adapted to not utilizing sugars as fuel. And so to get it back to that space, you need to go slow and steady um, mm -hmm. until your body kind of shifts into a place where it, it can manage more sugar-based foods. Can you talk about, Kate, um, so, you know, you hear a lot, you know, if you just Google it or like people in the media say sugar feeds cancer. So yeah. if you want to starve cancer, cut the sugar out of your diet. Right. Um, yeah, it, that is absolutely true if you live in a petri dish, right? And that's kind of how that belief came to about. They they had cancer cells in a, in a petri dish and it was they could see it was kind of proliferating with sugar source and if they removed it, cancer went away. And so 
there you go, remove the, the sugar source and cancer dies off. Well, <clears throat> you are not a petri dish. So that's not how your body works. Your body is so cool that if you remove the sugar source, it's going to break your tissue down to find its own. It's just, you know, your body needs a constant flow of blood sugar, period. Um, that's what regulates you. That's what kind of gives your body that homeostatic feeling is to keep that blood sugar between 70 and 120 throughout the day. If it goes below that, your body's going to send out signals and saying, hey, we need sugar. We need to regulate blood sugar. So if you don't have the resources coming in, then it's going to break tissue down through gluconeogenesis to provide the needed sugar to keep you regulated. And the same thing with cancer. Cancer, yes, it's, it's a very high sugar consumer. But again, if you try to starve it or cut off the sugar source, it's again, not a, not a petri dish. Your body says we need other resources. So what has happened, it just starts breaking your tissue down at a very high rate. Anybody that's ever experienced a loss of a lost one through cancer, they know how catabolic cancer is. The person is severely emaciated at the end of their life. And it's not because they, um, it, the cancer just, you know, they gave, they gave themselves so much sugar and that was creating it to make worse. It's because the cancer finds other resources. The cancer can consume tissue, fat, ketones. It doesn't care when it's in that high uh, metabolically enhanced state. So removing that would normally not be the right idea. In fact, there is a, and I, and I can't remember who did this study, but there was someone that actually put a line of pure sugar into the tumor and fed it and then overfed it and it basically destroyed the tumor. And so you can overfeed it to the point where it can implode the, the tumor and that cured the person over sugaring it. So yeah. it's not as just simple as saying sugar feeds cancer, but yes, it's true. But you have to understand the context and you have to understand your own physiology to know that just removing those things is, is not going to be beneficial. Okay, cool. Next one that I hear a lot too is fructose. <laughs> fructose is so bad. And there was that guy, what was his name? Is it Lustig? Dr. Lustig that did the- Robert Lustig. That's it. Yeah. yeah. Can you talk about, you know, fructose? And I, I feel like where Lustig got wrong is he did a lot of rat studies and rats kind of metabolize fructose differently than humans. And they metabolize sugar differently. Um, and like I was telling you before, when we overconsume sugar, normally the first place it goes, we, we end up storing it as glycogen. We don't shift it to fat storage. Um, I think like 2% of overconsumption of sugar is we will turn into fat. In a rat, that occurs at about 50%. And so from my understanding, he was giving these rats the equivalence of like six liters of Coke to get this place where these rats were getting like fatty liver disease and were basically getting sick. Um, that's the equivalence, right? So to humans, now they didn't give their fats that. That would be the equivalence of what they would give to a human. So we would have to drink basically six liters of soda, high fructose corn syrup every single day to kind of achieve what he did in these studies. Of course, nobody's really doing that. Now they, somebody might be, of course, right? But again, high fructose corn syrup is not the same as the fructose in your fruit because it's going to come with all these nutrients and so forth. So what we know about fructose is it actually can help support the liver and actually clear the liver of, of, of alcohol, uh, 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 non-fatty alcohol disease liver. And so it can actually support it. 
So it's not the sense that it's going to make people worse. And then in, in the context, again, we have to understand that sugar is very metabolic. So with the liver, it also needs a considerable amount of choline to function optimally. So if you're going to give a person just tons of fructose without some other nutrients that are going to help support it, then yeah, then you might end up with something like fatty liver. But context again needs to be given. But for, for the most part, fructose is going to be very supported. It has very minimal blood sugar response. So it's actually quite good for a diabetic. Um, again, like I said, it can actually help clear alcohol from the, the system. So if somebody does drink alcohol, it's actually good to have some sort of fructose or fruit with it. I, in fact, I would always tell people, if you're going to drink, have some orange juice, because that's going to help clear the liver a lot faster. Um, but ultimately, I think most of the understanding about fructose is just wrong. And it's given out of context and in reference to people that are consuming copious amounts of like high fructose corpse or uh, sodas and so forth. Hmm. Well, you know, I do love a good pina colada. I love a good <laughs> cocktail. Not advising everyone to go drink alcohol, drink alcohol. at all, yeah. but yeah, <laughs> but it, it can be, yeah, there is a better way to do it. If you do it, um, it that can be supportive, but you know, it, it's still mm-hmm. alcohol. Now, what was the next one? Okay. All right. Next one. Um, Sugar causes diabetes. Like I, this is a really, this is a lady messaged me yesterday and she said, oh, you know, Kitty, I can't remember exact words, but like, you know, I've just found out I'm insulin resistant and, you know, I can't lose weight and, you know, my doctor's completely cut the sugar and carbs from my diet. So, you know, this might be a good route for lots of your clients if they're, <laughs> if they're finding the same thing. So can you talk about that? Yeah. I mean, anybody that's in a diabetic state is in a stress state. So the diabetic state is usually going to occur when somebody has mismanaged their energy uh, needs and demands and when the body becomes stressed, right? So I, you will see this in extreme dieters, anyone that has severe stress, um, people that just probably just don't eat well in general. And so when the body becomes stressed, anytime the demands are, are, are more than what you're, what you're giving your system, then you're going to have a stress response. And when you have a stress response, your body's going to release things like fat and sugar and, and, and things into the system to try to keep you regulated. Well, when that happens in excess or considerable, and you have a lot of fat that starts entering your blood system, you're first off, you're not going to have a diabetic that does. They also have they will have high sugar in their blood, but they're also going to have high fat. And so when that happens in excess, the body then chooses and the references is the Randall cycle. When the body chooses between fats and sugars to metabolize, well, again, when it happens in excess, the body will choose to try to metabolize the fats over the sugar. And when that happens, the sugar will elevate in the blood showing up as hyperglycemia, high blood sugar. And so you're going to go to your doctor they're going to measure your fasting blood glucose levels. You're going to say, well, that's high. And then they're going to give you an A1C test that basically measures like the blood glucose with the, within the last 90 days of you. And they're going to go, well, that's high. Your blood sugar is high too much. So you have diabetes and or insulin resistance. I hope you're enjoying the episode so far. I just wanted to jump in quickly and talk about saturated oyster capsules. So we released them about six weeks ago. And we've already been getting rave reviews from clients about, you know, improvements in their skin quality amongst other things. Now, one of the reasons we actually recommend our clients eat oysters is because of the abundant amount of zinc they contain. So zinc is antiviral, supports vitamin A usage, which is critical for hormone production and hydrochloric acid production. It also aids in skin health and it's important in sexual health and fertility. So taking zinc in a whole food form such as oysters is far preferable to taking zinc 
alone, which can quickly create a copper deficiency. Oysters also contain a good amount of iron, but most importantly, they also contain plentiful amounts of bioavailable copper, which is protective against iron excess. Oysters also contain selenium, which is protective against, amongst other things, the damage that PUFA does. Oysters contain B12 and other B vitamins, manganese, iodine, and vitamin D. So next to liver, oysters are really an incredible natural multivitamin and mineral food supplement. So saturated pure oysters will honestly, or are, I should say, honestly, better than anything we could find currently on the market. So we've sourced them from Tasmania, the pure waters of Tasmania, and we freeze dry them ourselves. So they're 100% oyster meat, no fillers, no additives. Um, And, you know, if you're someone who just doesn't like to eat fresh oysters every week or you can't get your hands on good fresh oysters, these are a fantastic um, alternative. And um, we recommend that you take them with liver. So also if you don't like liver... So liver is a bit of an acquired taste. I do love pate, but I've just been so busy recently with everything out in our business and, you know, what's going, everything that's going on. Um, you could also take the uh, Saturay A-plus organic beef liver capsules. So I'll pop a link in the show notes with a small discount code. Let's get back to it. And insulin resistance is essentially that your body is still producing and utilizing insulin, but when it elevates, it's not lowering your blood sugar. And again, that is going to happen in the presence of fat. When you have high fat, high sugar in the blood, insulin is not going to be as effective because again, the cells are going to choose the fat over the sugar. So you can give yourself tons of, tons of insulin and nothing is going to happen. And that feedback back loop is just going to keep happening. That Finally, the, the body just stops producing insulin essentially, or could, right? So you could actually turn from a type two to a type one diabetic. But again, it's not the sugar per se. It's the body's inability to utilize the sugar properly because you've been through a series of stress cycles and the body's released lots of fat, or it's also maybe high stress, high cortisol. All of those factors, high estrogen are going to play a role in how your body metabolizes sugar. So yes, the, the initial response is, well, we'll just remove the sugar and that will fix it. And quite honestly, it does on some level, right? If you don't have any sugar or very minimal, then yes, your blood sugar is going to lower. You will have more fat in the blood. You can either be ketogenic or super low carb, but a series of other things will probably start happening because you've just removed your body's most vital source of energy. You know, our body is amazing. It can utilize other resources, but those always come at a cost. So what really needs to be addressed is we have to get the person out of that stress cycle. And to that, for that to happen, then for that person, it's normally giving them um, a good amount of fruit, like high potassium, high fructose, because they don't have as much of an insulinic response combined with certainly some lean proteins and moderate or low fat sometimes for those individuals, but also eating really often to help regulate the system. But because they normally already have it, a significant amount of fat in the blood, maybe because of the stress cycle, we want to help reduce that because once you get somebody out of that stress cycle, then they're not dumping tons of fat into the blood. Then their body starts learning to be able to utilize the sugar that they're putting in there. Because again, they're not constantly stressing the system, dumping the fat into the blood. And we, we know this happens um, based on the work of Walter Kempner, who essentially um, cured people of diabetes by giving them a 95% carbohydrate diet uh, 
basically references as the rice diet. And I think it was, I don't know if it was 80% rice and then it was rice, sugar, fruit, and fruit juice. And then I think 5% protein. And he did it primarily to fix people's kidney disorders. That was the, the initial response. Um, and he thought that he was going to be giving it to these diabetic patients. And he thought, well, they're going to get so much worse. Um, and they didn't. In fact, 70% of them either lowered their insulin or completely got off of any insulin kind of drugs and, and lost tons of weight. And they basically cured their diabetic state from a 95% carbohydrate diet. Amazing, isn't it? Yeah, it definitely makes you think, right? When you read about situations like that, you're like, huh, well, if that's true, then I guess sugar doesn't cause diabetes, right? So what then does and what is really going on? And so obviously in some people's like brain with, it's easier just to remove that macronutrient. It does slightly mm -hmm. fix things and you can get better blood labs and, and things will look better, you know, on something like a keto or low, or low carb diet. But what I see later is other things start happening that aren't as favorable, especially mm -hmm. in women, especially if they're around menopause or premenopause hormonally, their body doesn't like that. Mm -hmm. And so you know, it is a little bit more, you have to be very conscious of doing that. Cause you have to be like, Hey, you gotta be eating every two, three hours and really being aware of your food and knowing kind of, you know, what it feels like to be for regulated and not put yourself in constant stress positions, but mm -hmm. it certainly can work and things can improve, um, by doing that approach. Mm, I did another really good podcast if people wanted to like even dig a bit deeper on this topic with Georgie. Um, talking about diabetes and the real cause of insulin resistance. So he like really dives deep into it. Um, so scroll back yeah. if you want to. Yeah. Like, and polyunsaturated fats is probably a big part of that conversation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Certainly if that is part of it, because they can certainly have a response to your pancreatic um, beta cells releasing insulin. So uh, yeah. So that would be another part of that kind of the healing protocol to mm -hmm. anyone that has diabetes is get rid of the PUFA, right? Get yeah, rid of the vegetable yeah. oils and the fish oils and the omega threes and um, nut oils and limit those things. Cause that would be very helpful. Mm. I'm trying to think of anything else. Can you think of any, any other ones that you commonly get? Uh, I think another common thought that people have, and we kind of talked about this a little bit is that, you know, sugar depletes the body of nutrients. You see that a lot, you know, people like, Hey, when you eat sugar, we see that your body gets lower level of nutrients. And that is also correct, but it's not essentially they deplete, right? We have to put in everything into context. Sugar is highly metabolic. It increases your body's ability to create energy and create um, ATP. And anytime you go through cellular respiration, you need like 20 different nutrients. And so sugar makes you go through cellular respiration at a higher rate. So it speeds things up. And so that means you're going to use a lot more nutrients. So if you don't consume more nutrients and you consume a lot of sugar, yeah, your nutrients are going to be lower because they're needed and utilized in the metabolic process. So when somebody consumes a high sugar carb diet, it's going to be metabolic. That's why we advise making sure you consume high nutrient rich foods like fruits and roots and dairy, but also things like liver and oysters that we know we're going to get a big bang for the buck because all of those things get utilized at a higher rate when the body's metabolism increases. So those things have to go 
side to side. I always tell people again, <clears throat> uh, if you were a car and you had gas, which is sugar, that's your energy source. And you also have nutrients, which is your oil source. You need both of them. You run your gas a lot. You run your car and use gas, but you're also going to use the oil. If you don't have any oil in your car and you put gas in there and there's no oil, car isn't going to work. Is it the gas's fault the car doesn't work? No, it's because you don't have any oil. You don't have any nutrients, right? So you have to have them both. They don't work. They, they work together. And so, you know, we have to always make sure that when, especially when I see this with people, when they also come to this kind of approach is they do start eating more um, carbohydrates and fruits. And they're like, I feel really good. And like, well, then all of a sudden my, my skin doesn't feel good or my hair is like something happens. Mm. And that can happen because it's usually a sign that other nutrient deficiencies are now showing up. When you are in a low metabolic rate, you don't need as much nutrition. So if you have an issue, you don't even see it because your demands are so much lower. And as soon as you start revving the engine and increasing the body's ability to use fuel, all those things are going to start showing up. Now your body needs more nutrients. And if you're not giving it to it, certainly things like vitamin A or zinc or copper, if you don't, body doesn't get them. Now some other stuff will show up. And does that mean the approach, the fruit is causing that issue? No, it means that it's increasing your demands for more nutrients. And now it's just, you've got to give it something else. Mm -hmm. So there are always layers to healing, I think. And sometimes when you flip this approach, it's like one thing goes away and maybe something else shows up, but it's just your body telling you, Hey, now we need this. Now we're looking for this. And it's now your job to kind of figure out what that might be. But for a lot of people, you know, that's why we advise having those nutrient supplements like liver oysters to help support you because your body is going to start revving up. And because today's food quality isn't great, especially the plant sources, um, you know, having those animal source, high nutrient rich foods are certainly more bioavailable to us that we can utilize with that high metabolic rate. Awesome. And I'm just, I was thinking just to finish off, can we, can you talk about, um, so let's just say someone's been restricting for a long time. They haven't been eating any sugar. What's the best way to start introducing it back into your diet? Um, just do a whole bunch at once. I'm just <laughs> mash ice cream. Uh, right. So if you're literally coming from a keto based diet or suit like zero or low carb, I mean, I think the first thing, and you're probably high fat if you're doing that, mm. I think the first route to go is log out your food. Um, I find most people do best when they do it at small, uh, gradual times of the day. Right. And it could be like 10 or 15, um, grams at each time. And literally, you know, what I have seen is those people initially, they might start seeing some high blood sugar numbers while their body's trying to figure things out again. And, but if they're consistent and just trying to slowly increase it while they're dropping some of their fat intake, eventually in time, and it can be months, the body starts regulating and then they start seeing better blood sugar levels in the morning and throughout the day. But yeah, I would say utilize the simple sugars over the starches. Most people seem to do better on those. So what are um, they, Kate? Okay. Can you just list out? So that's more of your fruits and it could be uh, milk sugar and your honey and juices. Those are going to be probably the easiest for your system because again, they have the high potassium and they have the fructose. So they're not going to have as much of a blood sugar response as something like your starches, like your breads and your rice and your potatoes. 
um, you know, those sometimes don't do as well for people that are coming from that super low carb lifestyle initially. And then as your body starts to heal, then maybe you can try to add a starch in there and see how your body regulates. And slow. Would you say go slow? Slow. <laughs> yes. Slow. And that's why logging is so important, right? Because it really helps you to see. So, you know, if you're like zero carb, it's like, okay, maybe try, like I said, 10 to 15 grams uh, throughout the day. You know, maybe it's like three times a day, see how the body responds mm-hmm. and then slowly start adding more while you are adjusting the fat intake. If you're coming from that keto life, if you're mm-hmm. not coming and you're just low carb, like, you know, I, I'm sure people think that I work with people that think I'm, I've been eating plenty of carbs and then they do their log and they're like 80 or 90, right? <laughs> you know? And I'm like, okay. So same thing with those people. I would introduce them quite slow, maybe 10 to 20 grams a week, maybe mm-hmm. earlier on in the day, maybe around more in the morning or post-workout that I would introduce them so that they would be able to utilize them and then slowly increase them maybe by 10% each week. And so until let their body adapt to it, usually if you do that slow and steady and do more of the simple sugars, I find most people do a lot better. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Do you have anything else you think to add that we've missed? I think, you know, it, it, you, this is a great time for everyone to kind of become their own like health detective mm-hmm. and to utilize. Yeah. Things like food log is super, super helpful. And it, you know, obviously if you're in a, such a stress state that you can't do that, I like get that, you know, then it's like, Hey, maybe just try to add two or three ounces of orange juice into your day a few times a day and kind of pay attention to how you feel. Um, you know, this approach is not about adding more stress to your life. It's about de-stressing it. But normally what you find is slow and steady usage added of carbohydrates in clean form, not cookies or cakes or right. We're not giving you the green light for all those things will get you to where you want. And, and for most individuals, certainly most women, I find need probably between 200 to 300 grams a day. I'm sure you even consume close to 400. I'm certainly on some days on the, on the training days. Yeah. Like I just, yeah. I feel like, I don't know. And you probably agree with this. Like I'm real high energy, like quite a, like I just run high all the time. So if, I think if I don't eat enough, I just can't sleep. Um, yeah, you just don't sleep. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and that's the other part, right? With, with increasing metabolic rate, I always tell people is a, is a responsibility to continue to feed yourself, right? Because now when you start utilizing fuel really well, which you want to, right, it does give you that additional energy to function at that high level. But if you don't eat that way, right? Your body will continue to go and it's, it'll push you into that stress reaction. And, but then, yeah, your body is going to respond by, Hey, you didn't eat enough. Now you're not going to sleep. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so this isn't a, you're starting to increase metabolism and now everything's great. And then you can just screw off, you know, it doesn't work that way. Right. You can actually be more like that on another diet approach, which lowers your metabolic rate because right. You don't have the demands on you right now. You're when you, as soon as you increase metabolic rate and your body's revving up and now it's utilizing more, there is more responsibility with that versus just cutting everything out and now eating 1200 calories. Um, you, you can kind of do that without feeling those energy demands, but you're going to have other problems down the road and mm-hmm. plus you're going to be starving and want to kill people. And so that's never good. That's not good. You've really just got to be diligent with your food, I think. And like the higher, like we've talked about this, like our work and businesses is quite like 
it's not super high stressful, like, oh my God, I'm so stressed. I hate this, but it's lots happening and working long hours and training. It's like, I've got to be like so diligent with the food or I'm fucked. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, and that's just it, right? It's, it is work and you are eating more or more often. That's part of it. I mean, I don't, I think anyone that does this, I think you have to know becoming healthy takes sacrifice. It takes work. It takes preparation the best part about this approach is you actually feel fueled and the food tastes good, but it still takes work and you still got to be on your game and you still got to prep and pay attention. Um, that's all part of it, right? I mean, being healthy takes time and energy, period. But because it's a good investment, you know, if you put the time and energy into it, you get all that back plus some. And so it's going to give it back to you in giving you energy. And when you have more energy, you can do more and you'll feel better. Um, so that's the basis of the approach, but initially, depending where you are at in your, your healing, you might not have enough, a lot of energy right now. And if that's where you're at, then you have to kind of learn. You're like, okay, I can only manage and handle so much right now. And I have a crap load of crap on my plate. You got to figure out how to take some of that stuff off. And so, and then slowly increase your body's energy that you're putting into it. So it can kind of meet those demands. And then as you feel a little bit better, you'll be able to do a little bit more. And it's just that building process. But if all of a sudden you build that up and then decide to go out on a day and you forget to eat and you don't do everything, you, you know, whatever, you're not going to falter no. way back, but you're not going to probably sleep good that night and you might not feel good the next day. Right. And, but, you know, but if you pick it right back up, it'll go right back to where you would. You're not going to like fall off a cliff. Your body will be more resilient but you still have to be aware your body now needs and requires more fuel and energy. Mm. Now you got to, now you got to give it to it. And you know what? I really like eating. Like I just really <laughs> like food. <laughs> like tonight I've been, I was thinking, Oh, I'm really, I just really feel like Mexican. I'm, I'm going to go to the shops. Um, Cause I've had my normal dinner out. I'm like, that's not going to cut it tonight. So I'm going to get like the nice corn tortillas and fry up some yummy Mexican mints and have cheese. And then I'm going to have ice cream for dessert. And I'm like, I just really, I just, like to eat <laughs> it's good being out to eat lots of food to enjoy. yeah it is and when your body responds properly and then you can eat like you know maybe the mexican food yeah. right i mean here and there but when you are healthy you can eat a wide variety of everything and yeah, usually that- be totally fine right and, and it's just if you do it probably repeatedly over and over and over again and your body isn't that healthy it might not be the best choice for you you know, what we're trying to do is increase the body's ability to use fuel. When you do that, health improves. When health improves, you can manage more. And so and it can be your choice at that point. You want to put more on your plate. You want to do these things or, you know, you, you always get to choose. But ultimately, you, you always want to be at a place where you're managing whatever stress load you're putting upon yourself so that you can meet those demands. And the only way you can do that is by giving yourself enough fuel and enough nutrients. Mm. Awesome. Um, thanks so much, Kate. Thanks. I hope, you know, that's because we really love sugar, you know. <laughs> we love our juice and we love our fruit. And I even love, you know, I've been having maple syrup in my coffee in the morning. It's so good. And then my homemade ice cream at night. It's just the best. So, you know, exactly. you can have a good life eating sugar. You know, don't don't listen to all the crap that it's going to cause cancer and you're going to get diabetes. Hopefully this has cleared up a lot of that for you. You can start to enjoy some yummy, nutrient-dense sugars in your diet. And just Absolutely. bring more joy to your life. One, <laughs> 100%. Awesome. Thanks, Kate. We'll see you next time. You got it.